talk a little bit about <clears throat> friendship with God. Uh, God is my friend. Is he your friend today? I trust that you know him as your Savior, your Lord, and your friend. In your uh, bulletin, you have an outline. There's nothing to fill out. So if uh, I don't, you know, there's stuff in there that you may not hear me say, but uh, all of this is uh, part of the uh, sermon prep that I, I uh, have brought forth here. So, you know, usually, as I said, I, uh, you know, I try to, when I'm preparing, I have about four or 30 pages of notes that I, uh, and I kind of condense as much as I can. And uh, so I, for me, I have a lot of places I can go, and sometimes it's hard to, for others to track that, but I, I just trust you'll tune your ears and your heart into uh, what the Holy Spirit says to you, because that's what, what you have to hear today. Amen. So um, uh, the scripture says in Romans 5.10, for since our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son, while we were still his uh, enemies, we will certainly be saved through uh, the life of his son. You know, I love that, 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 that statement. It says, for our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son. You know, we were restored into a place of fellowship with the Lord. And, you know, this morning as you've come here to Bethel, you know, the important thing is, is that we know that God created man uh, for friendship. You know, people have a hard time getting their hands around that. But, you know, God created man unique to all other creation. And uh, he placed man in, a, in, in Eden, and he, he, he had an intimate relationship with his creation. And as God walked and dwelt and permeated in, within the garden, you know, there was no separation between he and Adam. You know, no, no, no divide, no barrier. Uh, Adam had been created in the image of God, and we're going to talk a little bit more about that, how that applies to us. Um, you know, Adam's name means living. You know, Adam certainly uh, was, uh, God breathed the breath of life into him, and God gave Adam life to live. He gave all of us life. God is a life giver. How many know that God gives life? He's not a, he's not a murderer and a liar as the devil is. He is a giver of life. And, you know, I think about Adam and Eve just for a moment, and sometimes we have these questions, and they're, they're not always that important uh, unless, you know, we can find a biblical answer to it, then everything Scripture says is certainly important. But, you know, the, the question has been how long were Adam and Eve in the garden, you know, before they were, you know, ousted. You know, you think about that. Uh, some say uh, they was in there a week. Some say a hundred years. And you've got all these great theories and, and uh, postulations about it. But, uh, you know, I just, uh, I read that question and I thought, I, you know, my honest answer is I don't know how long they were there, but I know they were there, and because of sin, uh, they were separated from the Lord. And uh, did Adam have a belly button? Uh, you know, I don't know if I've ever really thought much about it, but uh, someone had asked the question, uh, did Adam have a belly button? And uh, I, I, you know, I got to tell you, uh, I, I'll just say from my point of view, I would say no. Uh, because, uh, you know, he didn't have an umbilical cord, right, uh, that he was attached to. And, uh, I mean, if he did, that's, it was more 
uh, a fashion accessory than a necessity, right? God wanted to give him that little accent and gave him a belly button, but, uh, you know, all of, uh, but, you know, I just thought I'd throw that out there. You know, God either created man complete or he uploaded him with the uh, capabilities to develop. You know, he gave him room to grow, and it was, uh, you know, man was not defiled. It was nothing broken in him. Uh, There was nothing that limited him from being able to advance as God purposed to do. You know, God, I believe, gave, uh, when he created man, he gave him the gift of uh, the potential. You know, he gave him the gift of potential. And there's a lot of potential in this room, you know. There's a lot of potential among our young people and our children. And, you know, all of us carry loads of potential, and that's a gift from God. I don't believe that God just created man and didn't give him any capacity to grow, didn't give him any capacity to develop his thinking and his uh, relational abilities. He certainly gave him the ability to do something that he did not know until his wife conceived, and that was to be a father, and they were parents. And so God gave them the, develop, the ability to, to grow as parents. But as we think about God, he is a teacher, You know, he discloses and uploads within us information that's critical for us to know. He reveals through his Holy Spirit and through the Word and through that intimate relationship that he gives. He mentors, and so that means that we can develop, and I believe that Adam had the capabilities of developing. If God advises, it's because uh, we can be persuaded or influenced by him. If God walks with us, that means that we can walk with God. How many have a walk with God today? I mean, you have a personal, intimate relationship with a God who has made it possible for us to have that. There was no way after Adam had fallen that we could have what God provides for us today. So all of the riches that we have uh, of being a believer and a child of God come to us from, from Him. He endows us with all the things that we need to have a personal, intimate, powerful, life-affecting relationship with Him. We can become something or someone we have never seen before because God has given us the capabilities of growing beyond our personal limitations beyond this present moment. How many know that you can grow beyond where you are today? And not just because you sit too long at the table every day, but you, you, we have the capabilities of growing beyond where we are today. You know, the church, we got to get a hold of that. You know, that's why when we think about discipleship, why it's so critically important and growing in the Word, we will never realize what we were, were, were uh, what God purposed to do in our lives apart from investing in ourselves through the reading of Scripture and prayer and meditation and service unto the Lord. You know, we'll never be excited to grow beyond this moment if we don't grow beyond this moment. Think about that. If we don't grow beyond this moment, we'll never have any motivation to grow beyond. And so, you know, we want to continue to grow in this deep relationship that God has purposed with us to have. God didn't create us, save us, and say, that's it, that's all there is. 
You know, how many of you realize that when you got saved, when you became born again, you entered into a covenant relationship with your Savior? I mean, an intimate, powerful relationship. We sing that song, He Walks With Me and Talks With Me. You know, how many of you today can say that God does talk to you? I tell people that. I tell people who don't believe that God talks to us. I talk to church people who believe that don't believe that God still talks to us. And they kind of look at you like you're one of those extreme wackos or you actually, uh, you know, or something's wrong with you. Uh, how many are okay to have everyone in the world think there's something wrong with you because you walk with Jesus and you're filled with the Holy Spirit? You have that personal relation. That's what God created us for, to have a relationship with Him. We can grow. I am so glad today that I am not defined uh, by past uh, shortcomings and failures and limited things that once would have uh, been character, uh, the characterization of who I was. But today in God, I have an intimate, personal, powerful relationship that causes me to grow beyond my limitations, beyond my uh, faults. And I think that when God created Adam, he made him to be a friend. You know, some say, well, that God's not like that. God's exactly like that because he created man in his image and his likeness. He created him with the capabilities to grow as a human in relationship with God. And the scriptures even tell us in the New Testament, as far as being a believer, it says, behold, what manner of love. The Father has bestowed upon us. How many know God is your Father today? You're not an orphan. doesn't matter if you were orphaned in life. You're not an orphan. Your Father in heaven, He knows you. He loves you. And it says, Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us that we should be called the children of God. You know, I thank Him for that. I thank Him that I am a child of God today. Uh, and, you know, I'm not an orphan. I'm not living uh, uh, alone. I'm not just living for the moment and there's nothing to look forward to beyond. I am a friend with God. Abraham was called a friend of God because of his faith in God. You know, uh, when he believed God, he trusted God. You want to have a relationship with God, it requires our faith and belief in him. You know, and in fact, it, 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 it requires our obedience. Jesus even said that he calls us friends. And we are called to obey, to live in obedience to him. And obedience isn't bondage. It's not, it's not this oppressive yoke. It's a joy. It is an outgrowth of fellowship with the Lord God Almighty. Jesus said in John 15, 13, uh, Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down his life for uh, one's friends. And he says, you are my friends if you do what I command. He says, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I've learned from the Father I have made known to you. You know, Jesus calls us friends. Come on, church. Are you glad about that? That makes this personal today. That makes every day of my life a personal uh, a personal uh, walk with Jesus in every, every appointment, every day, every circumstance, every situation that never changes. I walk in fellowship with God and Jesus Christ is my Lord and my friend. 
We've been created to be our creator's friends, created in his image. In Genesis 1.27, God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. Aren't you glad that God designed and purposed to, to create human beings? That you're not just uh, some evolutionary, uh, you're not the product of some evolutionary process. I mean, you, you know, you, sometimes we might meet up with people who might make us tend to believe a little more in evolution, but uh, we are created in the image of God. The problem was sin shattered that image, it broke that image. And so man's reflection no longer reflected God as God purposed for it to do. It reflected his fall and his depravity and his sin and his rebellion against the Lord. You know, in fact, when, when God created man, the word for uh, image means shadow. And so there are those who believe that, you know, we are actually, we were created to be shadows of God. That we were to bear his likeness in a sense that we were, we were actually producing and reproducing his image as cast through our lives. You know, when I think about this, God gave us a free will. You know, we're not automatons, we're not robots, but we are those who choose whether or not we will enter into a love relationship with the one who loves us. We choose it. You know, people talk about hell and how, you know, it just is uh, impossible to conceive that God would send anybody to hell. You know, it, it is a choice. Hell is really defined probably more than anything else uh, by, se- uh, by separation from God. And when, when we live a life that rejects God, we have chosen the path of, of separation from God. You know, when you think about Adam and Eve when they fell, you know, immediately they realized that they were naked. And they were ashamed and they covered themselves and they hid from the presence of God. You know, when God, he, he asked where Adam is, he's not, it's not because God doesn't know, but man always get, has to give an accounting to God. And Adam said, you know, you know, uh, you know well, uh, you know, I was naked and I covered myself and I hid from you. You know, we heard you coming and we were afraid. And you know, when man fell, he became estranged from God. By his own free will, he chose estrangement from God. And you know, when we look at it, uh, you know, there are those who choose to love God. God didn't want to create someone who was forced to love him. God endowed man and the woman with a free will to choose. And with free will, he gave them the full range of free will. Because man was not, man was not, uh, let me say this, man uh, carried the uh, capability to grow, but also he had a certain level of vulnerability. Because we know that he did, because when he was tempted, when they were tempted and they were solicited to take the fruit, They did. And so God gave them both uh, the capacity to grow and he gave them the uh, the ability to choose not to, uh, to obey. You know, that's an absolute fact because he gave them the capability to not, to not obey. And uh, with that is, you know, people say, well, that, why did he do that? Why did he give man the capability to fail? Because God, I believe, wanted to have a truly, truly, 
uh, intimate relationship with man whom he created in his image where there was a mutual love. You know, how many of you were, uh, are married today and you, you are here uh, with, through an arranged marriage? Were you? Oh, good. Okay. No, <laughs> with Don. Okay. I, I've shared this. I did as much as I could during my, uh, my years with my kids in home to, you know, to arrange their marriages. In fact, you know, my son-in-law, my, se- uh, my second son-in-law, the first uh, you know, well, we'll talk about him another time. But the second one, uh, you know, I was always an advocate for him. Always. You know, it, he was Jonathan's best friend growing up. And, you know, and he was at the house all the time. And, you know, I was always trying to fix him and Ashley up, you know, all the time, all the time. And she was kind of grossed out because she said, that's Jonathan's friend. You know, but you know what? I got to tell you today, Jonathan's best friend uh, uh, is no longer his best friend because Ashley's his best friend. You know, in fact, there was a time when she even said to me, Dad, if you you like Zach so much, why don't you date him? (laughs) But you know, today, uh, I just sit back and smile because Zach, uh, he's uh, he's a wonderful son-in-law, as is Frank. Uh, but, uh, you know, Frankie's a little more, uh, he's more of a maverick. Zach, he, well, Zach's a good kid too, but we, uh, we're not, you know, we don't want, we're, we didn't have a forced marriage. We wanted to marry someone who wanted to marry us. Isn't that always a good way to enter into, you know, factually that the person you're marrying really wants to marry you too. You know, they're not coerced, they're not forced, they don't, it's, they're not without a choice. And we enter, man was given the capabilities of freely choosing an intimate relationship with God. He was given the capabilities to choose obedience or to disobey. You know, God's directives were, uh, you, know, you know, we think about the, the serpent who came and really there were a couple lies that he told. Uh, that God's directives were unclear and thus could not be trusted. And secondly, God's divinity was threatened by their enlightenment because they, God only knew, he was, only, he was really concerned because he was afraid that man would become equal or like him. Romans 1.25 says they, they exchanged the truth of God for a lie. I'm going to tell you, that's never, that never gives a, a good return rate. A good exchange rate. When you exchange the truth for a lie, what you're going to get back is not good. Come on, church. And there is absolute truth. Don't listen to these people who tell you there. If you believe God's word, believe God's word. It's absolute truth, right? I mean, you know, people say, well, you got to, it, it might be, could be. You know, church, if you're talking like that, stop it. Stop it. How many people know the word of God is the word of God? Come on now. You know, uh, no less. You know, it's never a good, good, good exchange when we exchange the lies for truth, truth for lies. And, you know, we've been, it says professing themselves to become wise, they became fools. Are we seeing that today? Come on, church, you can just say it. You're not being mean. How many see? You know, we profess to be wise and some of the things that we profess such great wisdom in. How many of you look at and say, that's the dumbest thing I've ever seen? 
We were given intellect, knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. Man's intellect became corrupted by sin. His thinking became corrupted through sin. The Bible says in Genesis 6, 5, that the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And again, as we said, Romans 1, uh, 22 says, professing to be wise, they became full. God, God gives us emotion. Emotion's a good thing. You know, you get people say, well, you're too emotional. Well, sometimes we're imbalanced, maybe. But emotion is a good part of our worship experience. You know, there was one time, uh, there was a young person who got, you know, was so excited about the Lord, and during worship time and such, he would, you know, he was just so exuberant, and I was standing beside an elderly, not an elderly, he was older, but not elderly, and he looked at me and he said, I used to be like that until I grew up. And I just wanted to say, shame on you. (laughs) That's not an attribute, you my friend, that's called atrophy. It's not growth. You know, that, that exuberance, because it wasn't out of place, it wasn't chaotic, it wasn't causing or, or, or disrupting the flow of what God was doing. There was a joy, there was an emotion and an outpouring, and I couldn't help but think what Jesus said, those who have been forgiven much, love much. You know, if you're crazy about Jesus, it's because you realize how much he has forgiven you, right? When we realize that the debt that God has released us from is, is so large, so huge, and there would be no way for me to ever pay that off, and Jesus paid it all. He paid it all. You know, and, and I think about the fact, John eleven thirty five. 35, Jesus wept as he stood outside the tomb of Lazarus. There's all kinds of theological explanations as to why Jesus wept. But I believe Jesus cared for Lazarus. And I think as we look at the scriptures, it wasn't that Jesus didn't believe that Lazarus would rise again, because he obviously did. He said, uh, he went to the tomb and they said, what are you doing? Hey, you know, he's been in there four days, by now he stinketh. Have you ever stinketh? <laughs> you know, I, I think about that. Four days and Jesus knew that he could raise him. But, you know, this whole thing of death and human death, you know, I'm sure that Jesus having compassion for Lazarus and for the family was touched by the feelings of their infirmities and their sufferings. He was a man of sorrows acquainted with grief. We don't serve an an impossible. We don't serve a a God who is impersonal, a compassionless God. You know, if if we're not living a compassionate life, it's not a good reflection on the one we profess to to be living for. Because God is compassionate. Now, sometimes we think it's how much we know. What our position is, where we, you know, what our what our resume looks like, but in reality, you know, you never, never, never provide any more, uh, uh, any greater witness to Christ's lordship in your life than to be compassionate, to be touched with what the feelings of others. You know, how many know that's a good thing to be touched by the feelings of others, to feel with them. You know, we can't carry the load. I'm going I'm to stop here because i got to say this. Uh, we have a, this is just brief, 
it came to mind right now. On Friday at 3 p.m., there's a memorial service, a celebration for Mark Evans, and you're welcome to come. It'll be in the chapel, okay? I just That just came to me. So please take note of that. We want to celebrate Mark's life. He went to be with the Lord after many years of suffering. And uh, we would love for you to come and show uh, support with uh, um, the Nussbaums and Paula. Uh, they would be really appreciative of that. But the, the, the Bible even says there's things that God hates. There is a righteous hatred. You understand, not a hatred of people, but a hatred of injustice, a hatred of lying and deceit. How many know God doesn't want us to be indifferent toward those things because he's not indifferent? It says there are six things that God hates. Yes, seven, which are an abomination to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, and friends that shed innocent, or hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devised wicked plans, feet that run rapidly to evil, a false witness who utters lies, and one who spreads strife among brothers. Ephesians 4.30 says, And do not grieve the Holy Spirit. You know, the Holy Spirit, God has emotions, and He imparted those into the human existence, and we have emotion today. See, the problem is, there's nothing wrong with any of these things. It's just when, we, when man sinned, they all became twisted and distorted. The thoughts of a man's mind became corrupted. His relationships became impacted by sin. You know, God, there are things we should grieve. You know, I, I saw these people suffering on television. How many know what I'm talking about? There were people that were taking cover under bridges that were blown up, trying to find shelter under things that had been destroyed. And people, you know, infants and children, you know, uh, you know suffering terribly. You know, those things touch your heart. I can only watch so much of it. I watch a few minutes of it. I can't watch it anymore. I can't. I cannot watch it because I got to tell you, we, as the result of sin, do a lot of evil to others. And there are a lot of times in this earth when we look at wars and rumors of wars and we see the strife in the cities, in the country, and the drugs and all the addictions and afflictions and all these things. Church, there needs to be a righteous anger toward these things that does not show contempt to others. And only God can impart that. You know, God doesn't want us to be indifferent about these blights on society. He doesn't want us to be indifferent toward the sufferings of other people. When we have the opportunity, you know, I, I always tell people that, that if you want a pastor, you want, people say, I'm going to be a pastor. Well, if you're going to be a pastor, you understand that probably most of what you do that is of real significance happens beyond this. Because if you don't have compassion for other people and you can't, you can't walk among people and be touched by the feelings of things that touch others, it doesn't mean that you, you absorb everything and then self-destruct, but it means that there is a tenderness of heart and there's a desire to bring others to Jesus and to introduce them to wholeness and comfort in the Word. 1 John 4.18, whoever does not love does not know God. 
Because God is love. And let me just clarify, you know, um, I'm almost done. Um, Brianna did a wonderful job with communion today. And, uh, you know, you mentioned about forgiving others. I want to tell you, you know, people are so consumed about what others do to them that they never advance or what people have done to them. They just can't ever grow beyond that because it, it, it really puts a barrier between uh, they and, and, and advancement and growth. And, you know, if we look at these things, you know, I've heard people say, well, you know, and, and it's shocking. People who have been in the faith for many years and say, I can't forgive or I won't forgive. That's worse. Because that's always the way it is. It's not that I can, it's I won't. Don't ever say I can't forgive, it's I won't forgive. You know that, right? I won't forgive. And if we make that decision, then we can't say I love God because it's not true. Because God is love. And if we don't love others, love uh, facilitates and accommodates forgiveness. And so to say I love God and I love everyone is an absolute lie if we harbor bitterness and contempt in our hearts. Come on, church. Oh, I think you can fit that into your theology. No, you can't. Put that in your back pocket, friend. Save it for someone else because it doesn't work. We're love. God is love. We can't love as God loved without God inside of us, without the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, fill us. Come on, is that your heart today? How many know that you've not reached your potential yet? That means that the Holy Spirit wants to fill you, fill you, fill you, fill you to overflowing so that you are full of kingdom power. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. I want, to have, I want to walk in more than what I'm walking in today. I want to walk closer with the Lord. I want to afford Him the opportunity to do that which is exceedingly abundantly above anything that I could ask or even think to ask of Him. Amen. Psalm 104.31, it says, The glory of the Lord shall endure, for the Lord rejoices in His work. God is a joyful God. He shows emotion. He demonstrates love. You know, we look down through this, God, he receives pleasure. How many know God wants us to experience pleasure in our lives? Oh, you know, no, you got to beat yourself over the head all the time. Can't be happy. Got to frown all the time. Got to be miserable. I got to tell you, put that in your your pocket and take that somewhere else too. Because God didn't save me to be miserable. Come on, church. There's nothing that is more offensive to the cause of Christ than miserable Christianity. If you live like a prune, you understand. Is a prune, is it like, does it grow like a prune? Is that a real, does it, you know, is it a process? It's a dried up, what is it dried up? What is dried up what? Plum. Yeah. How many say, I don't want to be a dried up plum? God, my, I want the fruit of the Spirit to grow in my life. I don't want to be a dried up plum. All I know is my grandfather would drink prune juice every morning, and I, I thought maybe he had uh, some issues. <laughs> he did, evidently, because he was drinking prune juice every day, but... God is a God of pleasure. He receives pleasure. 1 Kings 3.10, the speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. 
God endowed us with a spirit. How many know people say, oh, you're so spiritual. I want to tell you, you better be spiritual. You say, I'm afraid to talk that way because if, that, if I sound, it sounds like I'm, oh, he's so spiritual. or she, If you're not spirit, you're not walking with Jesus. You're walking in the flesh. You're walking in legalism. You're walking in religion, but you're not walking with Jesus. Because the Bible says God is spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And if you're not, we're not worshiping him in spirit, then what are we doing? I'm almost, Tammy, would you come? That'll make everybody feel better. God is not limited by space or time. He is unlimited in space and time. There's no way to measure God. He is spirit and we are spirit. Now understanding we live within this body, but God's not limited by a human body. There are those anthropomorphic expressions of God where there was a manifestation in a physical human form and ultimately Jesus came and dwelled in human form among us. But God's not limited by these things. He's not limited by our gait and our ability to walk and to move about and only be in one place at one time. But the one thing that God has given us is spirit. We are spiritual beings. Come on. How many know the Bible says when you are born again, the spirit bears witness with what? With your spirit. Right? He bears witness with your spirit. So if you don't have a spirit and you're not spiritual, there's nothing for him to bear witness to. You know, he was sinless. Man was born sinless. Not in the same way Jesus is. You know, Jesus is, Jesus, uh, well, there, there's a difference there because, you, you know, well, I don't know. I, I don't want to go. Maybe Rick back off. Okay, I will. Uh, think about Jesus, uh, cre- or God created man and he was without sin. Let's just say it that way. He was without sin. And, you know, as long as man lived without sin, his relationship with his creator was intimate and powerful and unbroken. The image that God had created him in was reflecting the glory of the one who created him. You know, it, and when man sin, Romans 5.19 says, for as by one man, man's disobedience, many were made sinners, so also by one man's right uh, obedience, many became righteous. You know, through Adam, sin came, and death came, and separation and divide, and we're seeing that today. And that's what this world represents. I don't care what your interpretations are of what's going on in this world. I don't care. I'm just going to tell you that strife is not produced by God. Hatred is not produced by God. Prejudice is not produced by God. But all of these have resulted because man has fallen through sin. And, you know, the only way that that, that wretched man can be restored is through Jesus Christ. And you know, today, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna stop. I purposed this. I purposed for this to be a two-week message. Purposed on purpose today. Doesn't always happen that way. But he created man 
to live without dying. You know that God never intended for man to die. But when man chose sin, sin produced death. And that affected every human being that would ever live after Adam. Sin made it impossible for this body to live forever. See, the spirit lives, I believe. The spirit, we're dead spiritually apart from God, but there there will be an awareness. You remember the rich man died and he lifted up his eyes being in torment? He was aware. uh, Lazarus died and he was awakened to comfort that he had not received in this life. I want to say this morning as you and I come here, God never purposed for man to die. But God fully gave man the freedom to choose. He gave him the freedom because God wanted someone who would love him freely. If God, you got to understand it. Just look at it. If God wanted you and I to automatically serve him, he wouldn't have given us free will. He would have left that part out. But really, worship that comes out of free choice or out of will, surrender that comes out of free will, worship that comes out of free will, service that comes out of free will, the laying down of one's life that comes out of free will, that's what means the most. No greater love than this than a man lay down his life for his friends. You know, this morning, your spirit, and there's never been a time for you any greater than the moment right now to realize that God gave you spirit. He created you a spiritual being that needs to be fully awakened to who we are. Needs to be raised up out of death into life. Needs to be raised up in dark, from darkness into light. God wants us to be spiritual. I got to tell you something last night that was happening. And it wasn't a restless night for me. But it was one of those nights where, I, you know, I, I, there was this deep, 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 and I can't tell you any other way, just this deep calling out from my spirit on behalf of needs and situations that God was bringing to me. Honest to goodness, laying in the bed, just laying there, and it was so deep. I felt like, you know, have you ever prayed and you just felt like there was something? It was, it's just deeper than just your talking and your, your mind. It goes so deeper. It's deeper than that. And, and I'd fall asleep a little bit and I'd wake up right back in that same mode. And God would just continue to bring things. And it wasn't like a restless thing where I just couldn't sleep. And so I prayed. It was just like the Holy Spirit was there. You say, oh, you're weird. Okay, I am. I love that. I embrace that. I will, honestly, because I don't care. I want to know Him and I want Him to flow through. You know, so why are you saying that? Because... I didn't plan that. I planned to go to bed and go to sleep. I took two melatonin. Anybody ever take those? Two melatonin and, uh, you know, I, well, I won't tell you what else I took. But um, I just wanted to lay down and I wanted to rest. And I did. But there was such a depth to this moment of prayer because I, I believe God, I don't, I don't understand it. I can't explain that to you. You know. And God wants our spirits to be awakened. 
church, if, there, if we're not operating in spiritual things, our, our neighbors are going to die lost. What we see in the world is going to really take many of the souls that Jesus died for because um, there's no real intercession being made for them. No battles that will turn because there is little prayer being offered. It's not just the people that we would normally think of. God's Holy Spirit just brings them. He brings them. I want to ask you to stand with me if you would for a moment here. We're going to close, but um, you know, the next time we're going to cover the other two uh, two points here. I got to see what they are. <laughs> you know, we talk about friendship with God. We were created to be friends. We're going to talk about the restoration of man's relationship with God, and we're going to talk about being saved by His resurrection. Those are all found in that scripture I read. This morning, God gave us intellect, He gave us emotion, He gave us the need for relationship, He gave us all these things that He possesses. He gave us a sense of right, you know, of morality to live by. television, the blown up buildings and the people and all the things. You know, I just think about the devil's doing spiritually. It's far worse than that. Far worse. And there's only one thing that will change that, you know. I, I've heard people say stuff like, well, they want them to uh, declare a no-fly zone over Ukraine, Okay. You know, and it made me think about, hey, church, we need to declare a no-fly zone over the air in our communities and in our neighborhoods. How many know that the devil is called the prince of the power of the air? Come on. And there are principalities and powers and demonic forces that are at work to destroy, to divide. And you know what? Who's equipped? To do warfare through Jesus Christ, through the Holy Spirit, through the Word of God. It's you and I, and unless we are really awakened spiritually, see, we try to coax people into revival, and we miss the point that it requires the spirit of a man or a woman to be fully consenting and surrendered to the Lord. Because sometimes we talk it, sometimes we preach it, sometimes we say it. But until that that spirit within us is uh, yielded to wherever the Holy Spirit wants to take us, we're never going to go there. We're just going to talk about it all the time. Just yak about it. Yak, yak, yak. 
God, help us today to allow this man. You know, Watchman Nee wrote a book, and it was a, he talked about brokenness and how it's through that brokenness that the Holy Spirit releases through us and frees the spirit of the man to flow with God to move with God. Today, what part of us needs to be broken? You know, this morning as uh, Jordan shared his testimony, he shared a couple of things that broke him. The abandonment by a friend. Let's go back. He, he mentioned about his hearing. He mentioned about uh, the abandonment of a friend a trusted friend. He talked about being incarcerated. And the great thing was he he called out to the Lord. He cried out to the Lord. And you know, um, and God, he, he gave God his heart and God delivered him from Uh, those things in his life that were going to destroy him. And the Holy Spirit within him compelled him to come up here today and to share a, a witness and a testimony. And that can never be received with indifference because that is so powerful. That is so powerful. What God did in Jordan's life is so powerful. And, and the fact that he came up here and he shared and released into this body a witness of the power of the Holy Spirit to, to change his heart in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Come on, how many of you just pray, God, let us really embrace our spiritual identity. Lord, our spiritual identity. Lord, not the man or woman we see in the mirror, not the man who who walks in our clothing and in our shoes, but Lord, let us awaken to the fact that we are spirit, that these bodies will one day be laid down into the grave and they will break down and return to the earth. But the spirit of the man will live and that spirit will be resurrected in physical form for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout with the voice of the archangel and the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first and then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with him in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord you know I share that almost every time at a funeral it's it's because I want people to know that we're more We're more than uh, flesh and bone and blood and tissue and hair, some more, some less. But we're more than that. We're more than what people think we are. They're more than the lies that we've allowed ourselves to believe about who we are and who we're not. We're more than the limitations that sometimes are self-imposed and sometimes we've listened to too many people who have told us that we're not good enough, we can't get it done, and we allow that to define and restrict what God says. Would you please stop it already? Because he put within you a spirit that is waiting to be unleashed 
in fellowship with the Holy Spirit, in the anointing of the Holy Spirit. God wants your spirit to move under the anointing that when you pray, as the Bible says, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much, then that avails much and it's effectual because it's not the man, it's the Spirit of God moving through the man in the righteous character of Christ. How many, just, I'm going to close here. I, I, I just, this is kind of ministry time for me. You'll say, God, these hands, I want them to be anointed, electrified. Lord God, to, to be placed upon people to pray for them. And Lord God, out of the Spirit of God, that these hands will release through the Spirit, Lord, healing and life direction. Lord, that these mouths will be anointed, that these tongues will be sanctified, that they will, Lord God, not be subject to living under the curse, but these tongues will be free to speak life to the glory of God, that these tongues will be, Lord, freed from speaking gossip and deceit and treachery, and that they will be, Lord God, taken over by the power of the Holy Spirit, that our mouths will move more in sync with the Holy Spirit than they will be in response to the things of this world. God, open these eyes to see in the Spirit, Lord God, what they will never see in the natural. Lord, that when we look at people, that our eyes will see that what the potential that God has placed within others that has not been identified and has not been encouraged, has not been called out. That these eyes will see that what God purposes to do in the other in another person's life who feels very small, very inadequate. And Lord God, in harmony, when our eyes see, our mouths would confirm and our hands would be placed as holy hands upon those who, Lord God, are being commissioned to do what God calls them to do. And Lord, I pray these feet, Lord God, these feet will be, Lord, feet that walk, Lord, with an anointing into the places that God has called us to go, that these feet will never be placed on the ground with timidity and fear, but that we would walk with humility and boldness and power and authority and purpose. And Lord God, these feet will walk in, Lord, the direction that God has purposed. Lord, that we won't wander around like those who dwelt and wandered around in the wilderness for 40 years. We're walking with purpose today. Hallelujah, Lord God Almighty. Hallelujah. 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 I want to go deeper. How many want to go deeper? You say, oh, they'll think we're weird. Yes, they will. Hallelujah. They thought they were drunk on the day of Pentecost. There were those at Azusa Street who thought they were absolutely nuts. And yet God was doing a work. There have been outpourings of the Holy Spirit worldwide. Hallelujah. How many want to go deeper in the Lord? You know, don't talk about revival. Come on, let's, let's begin to say, God, I'm, I'm going deeper. I'm going I'm, to, I'm, I ask you to forgive me of all the sin that stands in front of, that causes me to stumble. Lord, if there's addictions in my life, if there's life controlling things that are keeping me from walking with God, 
If there's lust or lies or anything, Lord God, that are hard, that are making it difficult for me to walk, Lord, I ask your forgiveness and I lay those down. I set them aside by the strength of God's grace. I set them aside that I, Lord God, can walk in Holy Spirit anointing and purpose and power. Church, this is where the, it is. This is where it is. We talk a lot of big game about how to grow churches. And God says, you fools. It's not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Come on, church. Hallelujah. I'm gonna, we're going to move into just letting Tammy and the, them play and lead us. But I'm going to tell you, I... Recently, he's talking to a, a, a pastor or a, a person, evangelist, and has said that they begin to talk to, to the people about their identity and how important it is that they not allow the world to shape their identity, that they, that they be, you know, raised up in God's design for their lives. And, you know, and sometimes we question uh, our gender. We question this. We question that. But the, for a believer, the answer has been given to us. And we build upon the foundation of the truth. And, you know, when, when it was over, the, uh, the person was approached by a pastor. It says, we don't talk about those things in, in here. And I got to tell you, when the day comes for me that that's the way uh, things go, then I'll go out and, and take it outside you know, how many of you say the same thing? We can't suppress the truth of God's word because people will never know freedom if they only hear what coats and soothes their conscience and makes them feel better. We're not here to condemn, but how many know the Holy Spirit wants to do a work? And sometimes that work requires that we speak directly into the need with love and sensitivity. But you know, today I'm going to tell you, We've got all these great designs on how to, to be more worldly, but God says, no, that's not how I grow my church. He said, I will build my church. Lord, we want to grow in you. We want to release. How many leaders here say, I want to be full of the Holy Ghost? I mean, I want to be full. You want to, you want, you serve in any kind. You know, you know, you say, I don't want to be pressured, but you don't have to. You don't have to do anything. I'm just asking this morning, how many want, you want to be filled to overflow with the Holy Spirit? You're willing to lay aside everything that, that would hinder that this is the, we are living in the day before the coming of the Lord and we need for the church to be raised up in Holy Spirit power. Every believer. This isn't showmanship. This isn't about being, you know, being charismatic in the sense of how, you know, how much charm you have. This is about the church just being filled to overflow with the dunamis power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, we just pray this morning. We reach out to you. We ask, Lord God, that you will allow us to catch a glimpse of some things that will excite our hearts to go deeper in you, to walk deeper with more power. Lord, not to be a once in a while Sunday go to church Christian, but to be someone who lives for God every single day. That, Lord God, every night that we are, we are, we are walking with Jesus. This isn't about us being perfect. It's about walking with Jesus. Thank you for listening. 
You can find us online at BethelAG.com or on Facebook at Bethel Assembly of God, Littlestown, Pennsylvania. Our services are also live streamed every Sunday on our YouTube channel, Bethel AG, Littlestown, Pennsylvania.